Some great words, great lyrics. That is just outstanding. Why can't you make me believe? Um, you know, does authentic faith in God mean that we're totally free from doubt? Does it mean that uh, if I have some doubts or some questions at times, what I call, and you'll hear this term again, those three o'clock in the morning doubts, I mean that literally, but I also mean that figuratively. That if I have those, am I some kind of a heathen? Is God going to somehow do something to me or not allow me to go to heaven or send me straight to hell or whatever it is that might happen if I have too many doubts and how many doubts are too many and, and, and where does all that fit in and how does all that work? And if I'm a person of faith, can I have doubts? And if I'm not a person of faith, well, I don't have, you know, I got too many questions as it is. And, I, we, you know, my challenge again this morning would, would be we have people from all, all the whole spectrum out here. Uh, between this service and the, and the earlier service, in both of them, we have we have people from the whole, the whole, um, <clears throat> the whole scale of things in that area, and that's good. That's a that's a good thing. But here's the issue: for all of us, if we are transparent, if we're honest, there are many questions uh, that bring doubt. Sometimes that brings skepticism. Sometimes that brings just simply unanswered questions that lead us to deeper philosophical thoughts in life. For all of us, if we're transparent, if we're honest about that. I mean, I was just thinking about this, and I've been thinking about the subject for a while because I knew I was going to be talking about it. I was just thinking about this. What are, you know, what, do I have doubts? Lots of doubts, lots of times. What are some of the great questions that I have in my mind? And I wrote a few of them down. Is Bigfoot real? Is Jimmy Hoffa really buried in the Meadowlands, in the end zone? Where do all my socks go? Anybody else have that issue? Where do they go? There's some kind of a black hole, you know? Yeah, some of you guys can relate to that. Where do all my socks go? Then they reappear, you know, six months later. What's the deal on that? Uh, um, <clears throat> why do the French hate us? Um, what are the lyrics to Louie Louie? <laughs> Louie Louie, you know, I don't know anything else. That's the only thing I know if you know that song. What are the lyrics? Um, does Area 51 really exist? How many of you know what Area 51 is? Let me just see. Yeah, there's a few of you. Okay. Does the Bermuda Triangle really swallow up ships and airplanes? These are some of my questions. Who was Carly Simon singing to when she sang, You're So Vain? There's a whole story about that this week in the paper. Hey, what's with Donald Trump's hair? That's another question. <laughs> Donald was here and he spoke. He stood right here. And, 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 and uh, I didn't get a chance. And she asked me why I didn't ask him. And, and he stood right here and he cussed. And, and uh, the cussing didn't bother me. But the hair, I'm like, what's the deal with the hair, man? You know? Um, uh, what, what does the song American Pie really mean anyway? And I got about, what's so desperate about the desperate housewives? Why does my golf ball go to the right? Why, why does a moronic play like Phantom of the Opera last for at least 100 years on Broadway? What happens to pitchers when they become Yankees? Um, could Elvis still really be alive? <laughs> questions. Deep, philosophical questions that I have. There are others. Just for those of you who are visiting with us, I'm pretty shallow, but not, not just that shallow. There are deeper questions. Sometimes we get led into those deeper questions, and they become very serious. I have a friend who's the ambassador from Rwanda, comes to our UN prayer group that, that 
I help lead once a month. And we talk about Rwanda. Hotel Rwanda, the movie. Very hard. I'm not necessarily recommending it. But it's, he told me, he said, it's absolutely true. And the genocides that have taken place there in the last 20 years. Unbelievable stuff. Some of the stories that he told me, I, I just like, I can't. Unbelievable. How, how does that happen? The Sudan, if you're familiar with what's going on in Africa, just, just unbelievable carnage. How does that happen? And then we, we go through something like 9-11, and, and there are people, some of whom are here, are still saying, where's God and all that? How, how does that really happen? And then sometimes we take it even to a more personal level. We, we run into people into our lives who, who totally betray us and lie to us. And then sometimes we go to God and we say, well, God, where are you in that? How, how do I handle these things? So what, how does all this fit together? How does it work? Are there answers? Is there something wrong with me if I don't have some of those answers? Whether I'm a person who's just trying to figure it out or whether I'm a person who's been a person of faith for a long time. Um, who said that we couldn't question or doubt? Did somebody say that? Who said that if something is truly worthwhile, it cannot be challenged? And can we have faith in God and, and academic integrity with questions without being called some sort of a heathen or, or pagan or whatever it is that some people, some people call us? I've said this before, and I want to say it again. One of the greatest lessons in life that I've learned has been something that I've learned in the last two and a half years here. Here, almost three years. Um, and that is where people don't feel safe or comfortable expressing or even having doubts or questions in the trappings of what we call church or a house of worship. Um, somehow there is this mistaken notion that if I come to worship and learn about God, that I have to have absolute certainty and doubt is sinful. At worst, it may send me to hell. At best, it's just sinful. Well, I want to debunk those truths because that's not true. And I want you to know wherever you are in this journey of life, your own particular story and your own particular questioning and, and seeking and, and all that's involved with that, I want you to know that, that wherever that is, that, that you know what? That's one of the reasons we're here, to help aid in that quest, wherever you might be. And we have people who, who are at all, all points of that spectrum, some who are still thinking about it, still trying to figure out what is, what is the whole God equation about? What is the whole God thing about? And we have some who, who, have been, who have had faith in God for a long time and Jesus for a long time. So we got, we got the whole spectrum here. And again, it's my challenge to try to deal with that. So I want to give you three basic thoughts on having strong faith. Just what I call thoughts on having strong faith. And the first, before, I, before I start that, I have a quote I want you to look at from Bertrand Russell. And I'm not a big Bertrand Russell fan. I don't like a lot of the things. I don't know that I agree with a lot of the things that he said, but I love this quote. Look at this. The trouble with the world is that the stupid are cocksure and the intelligent are full of doubt. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you what, that is so true <laughs> so many times. Um, I have said many times I knew so much more in my 20s and 30s, and, uh, and that's so true. Life was so much better. It was so simple because I knew everything, you know. 
I give Henry a hard time about that all the time because he's at 21 or 2 and comes into my office and has answers for this and answers for that. And I'm just, this is great, man. I love this. Just keep, keep, keep bringing them, you know. And then I'll say, okay, you can leave now. Okay, uh, none, of that, none of that works because you don't know what you're talking about. But anyway, it's, no, that's not true. He does often know what he's talking about. But um, I'm not saying you don't know anything if you're, not, if you're in your 20s or teens or whatever down here. I just want to make sure you guys understand that. But things do get more complicated as you grow older and you start learning different things. And I have a quote here that I'm going to show you in just a second, all right? Three thoughts I want to give you. First one is real simple. No one has bulletproof faith. No one has bulletproof faith. I want to make that clear. I want you to hear that. I want you to hear that clear. No one has bulletproof faith. To say one never struggles, questions, or has doubts about his faith is to admit very little thinking is going on. Okay? I mean, it's true. And, and, and to be perfectly blunt, there... there Thinking isn't something that's always encouraged in, in places of faith, whatever faith you're talking about. Sometimes they just want you to kind of go through the motions. Oftentimes that's the case. So it fits, you know, when you think about this. So to say no one ever struggles, questions, or has doubts about his faith is to admit very little thinking is going on. Um, the French philosopher put it this way, if you would, if you would be a real seeker after truth... It is necessary that at least once in your life you doubt, as far as possible, all things. Not sure I totally believe that, but it's a good thought. A friend of mine put it this way, I have more struggles and doubts than ever, but my faith has never been stronger. That's a good statement. I have more struggles and doubts than ever, but my faith has never been stronger. And Goethe put it this way, we, we know accurately only when we know little. With knowledge, doubt increases. That's, what that's, that's Part of that is the age thing that I talk about. As you grow a little older and you begin to see life from different perspectives and different issues, sometimes some of those things that you were so cocksure about, in the words of the, the one quote there, Russell's quote, some of those things become like, mm, maybe I need to rethink that. Maybe I need to rethink that opinion or that view. So I would, my advice to the young, go easy. Go soft with those dogmatic statements. Because here's a guy that's had to eat a few more than once. You know? Doesn't mean you can't have firm, strong beliefs. So my first point is that no one has bulletproof faith. Now, I want to take you to the Bible. And I want to show you some... some a couple of really important passages in just a moment and with, after this next point that I show you because this is where we're really going to have to find some help, some strength, some guidance, and so forth. So before I do that, though, no one has bulletproof faith. That's one thought. The second thing is you can have faith and still have doubts and questions. And I'll say it again. You can have faith and still have doubts and questions. Couple of couple of great quotes. The deplorable mania of doubt exhausts me. I doubt about everything, even my doubts. I even doubt my doubts. Florbe, isn't that isn't that true? Sometimes you even doubt your doubts. And then the great writer Tennyson: There lives more faith in honest doubt, believe me, than in half the creeds. And that's a that's a that's a powerful statement. Let's go to the Bible. And I want to tell you, this first passage is going to come from the, uh, the message. It's from Mark, and it's a passage that we 
You've heard me quote before. Many people quote it uh, throughout history. Many, many, I say many people. I mean, I'm, Luther quoted this often, and other people of faith have quoted this, this last part of this verse often. It's in uh, Mark chapter 9. I'll begin reading in verse 19. Jesus said to them, You faithless people, how long must I be with you until you believe? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. There's a, there's a child there who's, who's sick or they believe in that particular time. He's, he's in some kind of a, a demon possession type of thing um, uh, or evil spirit, something like that. Verse 20, so they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening, Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was very small. The evil spirit often makes him fall into the fire or into water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us. Do something if you can. Do something if you can. Jesus responds, what do you mean if I can, Jesus asked. Anything, I mean, he's God. Anything is possible if, if, a, if, if a person believes. Here it is. Here's the verse. The father instantly replied, I do believe but help me not to doubt. I do believe. You ever prayed that prayer? God, I believe. I pray this, but help me not to. And one Bible puts it this way. I do believe, but help me in my unbelief. I do believe, but help me not to doubt. Some of you, I don't know, some of you may just kind of utter that last part of that. Just, just help me with my doubts. That, that's a good prayer too. I do believe, but help me not to doubt. Do you ever have doubts sometimes? Is that okay? I hope it's okay. People in the Bible did. Jesus said, you know, he, he gave us a great example of that. I want to go to the Old Testament show you another one because David had some of these doubts. David, on a number of occasions, David, now keep in mind, David, King David in the Old Testament, th- there is only one person in all of the Bible. One of the reasons I'm a student, that's the right term, of David, and I, I mean, he is like, you know, other than, other than Jesus, probably one of my all-time favorite people in the Bible, one of my all-time favorite people to read about, went to see his tomb when we were in uh, Jerusalem, which I thought was kind of cool, uh, and, I, and my favorite place in Israel is where David used to hang out, particularly when he was running from the king at the time, King Saul, he, uh, long story, I won't go into it now, but he was running from King Saul for a while, because King Saul was trying to kill him. And uh, there was this little place called En Gedi, which is just gorgeous. It's my favorite place in all of Israel because David hung there. And when, when, we, when, we, when we went there, and, and I just I wanted to just stay there. I just, I just want to kind of take in the ambiance because David, this is where David, I mean, I could just, you know, it's one of those deals where you know somebody so well, you can just kind of walk around and say, yeah, this is his kind of deal, man. And, and that, that's the kind of the way I felt. This is, this, is, this is where David would hang. And I saw a bunch of young teenage boys and it's, it's beautiful. It's some waterfalls because it's the only, really, it's the most beautiful spot in, in, in Israel other than the Sea of Galilee. And there's a little canyon and some waterfalls. And there were some teenage boys jumping into the water. And I thought about David and some of his mighty men because at that particular time, he was in his late teens. So that, that, would, that would have been what it would have been like had you been hanging with David, you know? Um, anyway, David's one of my favorite guys. And one of the reasons is because the Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. Doesn't say that about anybody else. But, but let me show you what this man after God's own heart said a couple of times. 
Let me show you. This was in Psalm 44. Wake up, O Lord. Why do you sleep? Get up. Do not reject us forever. Why do you look the other way? Why do you ignore our suffering and oppression? We collapse in the dust, lying face down in the dirt. Rise up. Come and help us. Save us because of your unfailing love. I mean, here's David saying, God, come on, where are you? Need some help here. And you're really late, you know? I mean, that's basically what he's saying. Did he have some questions and some doubts? You bet he did. And I don't think anyone could question that he was definitely a man of faith. So here's what I want to do. Third, third thought is this. No one has, bullet, has bulletproof faith. You can, you can have faith and still have doubts and questions. Third thought is we all have to develop a defendable system of beliefs. We have to develop a defendable system of beliefs, whoever you are, wherever you are. And for some of you, this is going to be a, a, an, an exercise that, that's, that's ever-evolving. Well, all of us, it's ever-evolving in some ways. For some of you, it's a new thing. For some of it's stuff that we have been working through for a long time. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you just some thoughts. No, there's no formula, obviously. I want to give you some thoughts in terms of how do you do that. And then I'm going to just give you some things that, that I've worked through myself. I, can only t- I can't talk about anybody else's. I can talk about mine a little bit. And you can just either track with me or not track with me, and that's fine too. But at least you can, you can hear a little bit how, how I have dealt with it in my own, in my own mind and, and so forth. So, but the first thing is this. How, how do you do this? Well, you know, again, this is, I'm, I'm at a loss of words in some ways, uh, as much as I probably ever am, but I'm going to give you some, just some suggestions. Read. Now, I start with the Bible. Just the Bible? No. I, uh, and when, you, when you go home and, you, and you're on the web, and you're on your computer, check out our website again, and if you look under Afterthoughts, you'll see it right on the front, our first thing of our, our home base of our website. If you look under Afterthoughts, I have listed some books on there that are some good reads for you to check out. I'll also listed some, some, um, some um, websites that you can look to. That there's a couple of online libraries and some things like that that I think uh, would be very helpful for you. But read. I mean, read the Bible and, and, and other things about the Bible and, and truth. And, and pray. Seek. Ask God. I was talking with a friend not too long ago, and he's really having a hard time with some very, very vital issues in his life. And he says... He, in dealing with some, some moral issues. And he said, what do you think about what I'm doing? And I said, you know, it really doesn't matter what I think. Here's, here's what I want you to do. I mean, I could be wrong. Here's what I want you to do. I want, and I gave him some, some passages in the Bible. I, wrote them down. I said, I want you to read these, and I want you to pray and ask God. God, show me the truth. Show me the truth. Don't ask God, what does Rich think? Because that, you know, <laughs> that may not help you. Many times it's not going to help you. <laughs> um, but do the, pray and, 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 and seek truth for yourself. I mean, it, that's a given and that sounds very elementary. But not a lot of people do it. You can. Seek God. Seek truth. Pray. Discuss it. You know, I don't know who the guy was that said, well, in parties you don't talk about God or you don't talk about politics. But don't invite me to the party he's at, okay? Because I'm like, okay, we can only talk about the weather and the Yankees for so long, especially lately. And, uh, and, then, and then I'm bored, okay? It's kind of like the other Gandhi used to say this. Gandhi said, the person who said religion and politics don't mix understands neither. And I think that's a true statement. Um, 
um, discuss it. Get some people together. Just talk. Hey, what do you think? Do you believe in God? Okay, I believe in God. Well, you, I don't believe in God. Well, okay, why? Discuss it. Be open about it. Don't, I mean, don't be afraid to express that, and don't be afraid to ask people that. I'm, I have a, a great advantage. I'm a, I'm a minister, and, and, and as a result, you know, I, people frequently will invite me to their house or to a barbecue at their house or a dinner party or something, and sometimes they're wanting me to meet someone who they might who thinks they might be interested in coming to Renaissance, in some cases, whatever. But whatever the situation, I have an advantage because people, what do you do? I'm a minister. Oh, well, tell me. And then it's easy for me to transition into questions of faith. But, you know, you can do that too, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Hey, where do you go to church? Or why don't you go to church? You know, be bold about it. Ask. You know, don't condemn. Don't judge. So why do you believe what you believe? Don't add editorial comment. Well, that's stupid. Took me a long time to learn that. Where in the world did you... Where in the world did you get that stupid idea? After about, I don't know, four or 5,000 elbows from my wife, I'm learning. What are you doing? You know? I have a spot right here on my shin, okay, from Charlene. Don't, you know? Editorial comment, you know? No, she's more sensitive than I am to those things. But you don't have to get your editorial comment, but just pursue and ask. You know, get, get, you know, get with people that, that have some similar interests or who may not believe the way you believe, God forbid, and talk to them. That's always an amazing thing, how we always want people around us who agree with us. You know, if you really believe what you believe and it can't be challenged, maybe you need to rethink that. So think and discuss and read the Bible and, and, and just think. Think through some of these things. So why do I believe what I believe? Let's, let's talk about that because I can't... I'd, I'd really talk about why you believe what you believe, but I can't really do that honestly, so I've got to do it with myself. And, I, and, and mine, this is, I'm going to skip a lot of stuff. Just because of time purposes, I don't want to go. I don't want to go over, and it would take a long, long time for me to go into great detail. Why do I? You know, and that's the question you have to ask yourself. Why do you believe what you believe? Why do I believe what I believe? I went through that. I still go through that at times. Why do I believe what I believe? Is it because I was raised in in a home by two great parents who who loved each other and loved me and 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 took us to church from the time I was, you know week old or two weeks old, um, and, and I w- was raised in the greatest country in the world, which, which still, for the most part, you can disagree with this a little bit if you want to, but for the most part, over half of the people in this country still go to some kind of a house of faith at least once a year, according to the surveys that I read, at, that worships God or acknowledges Jesus in some way, over half still, and, and that's our country. So, so do I believe what I believe? Because this is the kind of place that I was raised. And, and yet, well, in the beginning, certainly. But all of us then have to go through some other areas where we start questioning. Am I going to accept this whole thing just because this is what mom and dad taught? I love mom and dad, and I'm grateful for the life that they have given me. But I want to make sure I believe what I believe, so to speak. So here's, here are a couple of conclusions that I have. And, and it's, they're very simple and again, there's a lot more than this, and there's a lot of subpoints underneath these. But we're just going to talk. I'm just going to mention two of them. What do I believe? I believe there's a God in heaven who deeply cares about His creation. There's a God in heaven who deeply cares about His creation, and I believe the Bible reveals truth about Him and about life. That that summarizes two summary statements. You say, well, you know, there's a lot of other things I believe, but we're not going to go into those now. I'm just going to start with those. There's a God in heaven who cares deeply about his creation, and the Bible reveals truth about him, God, and about life. 
So how do I come to those conclusions? You, you start thinking, you start, you start, you know, reeling through that. I start, do I believe in God? Yeah, I believe in God. Talk to many people who, who sometimes wrestle with that. We've, I've tried to explain to them why I do. Again, again, you know, am I selling them? I suppose I am, but I'm not, that's not my intent. I just want to express my heart. And it's the same thing that I do here on Sunday. Are there some people here who, who may not believe in God? There, there are on any given Sunday, and I'm just glad they're here. And I'm not here to try to make them believe a certain thing before they walk out the door. But at the same time, I'm not going to shy away from what I believe are the truths of the Bible. You know, and hopefully that's one of the reasons they're here, just to, to at least, if not to, to buy into it, at least to seek. At least to seek where this whole thing is. So in my particular case, I, I came to this conclusion, well, let's see, we have creation, we have a conscience, where did that come from? Seems to me that had to come from God. I was talking to a friend recently who still struggles with whether or not there is a God, and he's a person who, who does some really neat things. And we were just sort of discussing it freely and openly, and one of the things he does is goes into the city on occasion and does some things to help out the homeless. And I brought that up. I, think, I, I admire that. I think it's terrific. And I said, I brought that up. I said, where did you, where did you get that sense of, of rightness, that that's the right thing to do? Where did you get that? Well, I said, where did you get it from? I'll tell you where you got it from. You got it from God. I kind of got carried away. But, but um, that's my belief structure, you see. Again, you may not accept that. Fine. But I'm, just, I'm talking about my beliefs right now. Um, and then, then you start dealing with Jesus. And, and here's the question that, 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 that you start... Why do I believe in Jesus, and what are the consequences of not believing in Jesus? Because then you start exploring, well, there's Jesus, but there's also Muhammad, and there's also Confucius, and there's also Buddha, and a whole bunch of other ones. Okay, but we'll just mention some of those. So I start thinking through that, and I start reading, and I got some great reading material for you on that website, on, the, on our website for you to check out. There's a new book that I put that I just got this book, and it's called Why I Am a Christian. And, uh, and it, all the particulars are on the website. It's a great book, and it, it's some great thinkers throughout, throughout uh, in, in, our, in our time that talk about science and Scripture and some other things. It's, it's just really a, a good thing that I would invite you to explore. You may not buy it all, and that's okay, but it's, it's worth exploring, I believe. But as I start thinking about that, you know, you got, you got Confucius, and you got, you got Buddha, and you got Muhammad. None of them, nor, nor do any of their followers, claim that they rose from the dead. So then you say, well, did Jesus, did Jesus rise from the dead? Well, there's a lot of reasons I believe that he did. And I start thinking, well, what happens? And what do I do with Jesus? You, nobody, I mean, really, I don't know of any, I've never, and I've talked to a lot of people, I don't know anybody would deny his existence. History just won't let you deny his existence. So what do I do with that? Well, then I start thinking about who Jesus is and, 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 and is he who he says he was. And I always go, am drawn back, even, even now sometimes. I'm drawn back to that quote that I used if you were here Easter. I used this quote, and I use it all the time. And I'm just going to lay it on you again because it's from C.S. Lewis, and it's worth repeating because it, it helps us understand. It helps me, and it help, hopefully it will help you understand what are you going to do with Jesus. Well, here's the quote. C.S. Lewis says, I am trying to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, about Jesus, that I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claims to be God. That is one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. 
you must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman, or something else. You know, or something worse. So the whole issue then comes down to, okay, then not only do I have to think through this whole process, what am I going to do with Jesus, but what am I going to do if I don't accept Jesus as who he says he is? Now, what am I going to do with that? That's, that's how I've, I have come to some of my beliefs. Again, that's me. Doesn't mean you have to be me. I'm not suggesting it. I'm going to talk about me, though. I would never, ever try to talk about your belief structure. That's something you have to come up with yourself. But here's my point. You have to develop a defendable system of beliefs. That's what I'm ex- trying to explain here from my perspective. Now, will I still have doubts? Will I still have questions about some of the great issues of life? even accepting these things that I've been pretty strong about? Yeah, you do. That's why it's called faith. It still comes down to that. It's faith. Do you still sometimes stop and say, well, wait a minute, what about this? What about that? Yeah. You still have questions. Will all those questions always be answered? I'm afraid not. Not at least for me yet. Uh, if that happens, I'll be, you'll be the first. To, uh, we'll have a big party. I'll let you know, okay? Hey, all my questions are answered. I got it all. Come see me. If that happens, if that happens, you better do something else with me. But um, no, that's, obviously, that's not going to happen. There's a quote that I like a lot. It's, kinda, it, it's, it's an in-your-face kind of quote, and some of you won't like it, and that's okay. But um, it, it comes from... A, um, I like it because this guy, you know, you know, these people, you ever have somebody you've read a lot and you've never met them? He's now, he's now no longer with us, so I never will meet him, I guess, the sight of heaven. Um, his name is Martin Lloyd, Dr. David Martin Lloyd-Jones, a great man, great preacher from Wales, um, was also a doctor, medical doctor, was uh, the, uh, the uh, Queen's doctor, actually, in England for a number of years before he went back to, uh, to uh, actually, he didn't go back to theology. He taught himself Greek and Hebrew, which is amazing and uh, became one of the great preachers of England um, in the last uh, 50 years. Just died in the 80s. He's one of those guys, though, that you read enough, I've read him enough where I feel like he's, he was my mentor. He's an in-your-face guy. I mean, just, just brash and, 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 and in-your-face. And this quote that I'm going to give you is in-your-face. And for some of you, it's maybe a little harsh, but that's okay. Uh, just know it's one of my favorite quotes. It doesn't have to be one of yours. But it helps me sometimes when I have those questions about Rwanda, Sudan, 9-11. That person that I trusted back in the 1990s who later betrayed me totally. Helps me with that. I don't understand this, God. I don't understand this. How how can this happen? Here's the quote. It's, It's... Here we go. Realize, before you ask your questions and put forward your arguments based upon your failure to understand, that you are assuming that your little mind is capable of understanding what God does. Realize that you are really 
realize that you are really suggesting that you, simple creatures such as you are, small and petty as you often are in your human relationships, you who listened to the devil and brought ruin upon yourself, realize that you are claiming that your pygmy mind is able to understand the infinite and inscrutable mind of the eternal God. And I really, yeah, I mean, that's good stuff, isn't it? And I walk away from that and I'm like, okay. Are you going to have some questions? Are you going to have some doubts? If you're thinking and if you're honest, what do you do with them? Take them to God. Will you always have answers? No. Will you get more answers? Eh, maybe, maybe not. But there's still a God in heaven. And there still takes faith to trust him and to believe in him. And that's where we are. Let's pray. Lord, these are, these are important truths for us. And Lord, we, we really, we, we can't probably comprehend well, I know we can't comprehend all the things that we would like to be able to comprehend. But Lord, as that person said so many years ago that's been written for us in the Scriptures, help us in our unbelief. Help us in our unbelief. For some of us, we can say, I believe, Lord, but help me in my unbelief. For others of us here, it's just help me in my unbelief. God, we believe you can help us with that. We thank you for your love and for your grace, for all that you have done and are doing in all of our lives, for the many blessings of life. We thank you. Thank you that Jesus came and and suffered and died and went to the tomb and rose again to give us eternal and abundant life as we trust him. We thank you for that and we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.